Normally, at this point in a falling market, and I've gone back and looked at my history here, if it's a bear, you have the big investment bank saying, doom and gloom. The end of the year will be much lower than it is today. Go hide in a hole someplace. So I am somewhat comforted by this. Uh, Again, there's no guarantee that they're right. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and... Jeff McClure. You see, you didn't use your radio voice. You're always getting on me for not using my radio voice. I used my radio voice and you just said, Jeff, just just saying. I'm trying to be... Jeff McClure. I said that... There you go. I, I said the whole... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's not, you, you have a disadvantage there in that I actually heard radio when they, people had radio voices. I used to listen to radio because we didn't have a television. Yeah, but I watch a Christmas story every, every yeah, Christmas and they not, sit in front of the radio on that. They, yeah, but it's a little, still a little different. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jeff and Jake McClure. Where one of them may be heard to say, well, it's not as exciting as I thought it would be, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You think anybody's actually listening? Uh, I know I'm not. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, By the way, this is this is the personal wealth coach. It's in case you didn't know that was the name of this radio program. We've only the said personal it wealth four coach. times, so it's fine. The person, well, you know, people are a little slow sometimes on Saturday mornings. Uh, the personal wealth coach is not only the name of a radio program. I think we hope uh, we have on good authority from sources we deem reliable. Um, it is also the name of a registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas, that is registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, which implies in no way that they approve of us or disapprove of us, just simply says that is our primary regulator and that is who through whom we are registered. Yeah, this is a simple statement that should kind of preclude all of that. Economists should never imply that anybody like them. See. Or approves of them. Or approves of them in any way. Because on the other hand. They're economists. But on the other hand, you know, but yes, but yes, economists have lots of hands. We're at least eight we're trying to compete with the octopuses. Yeah. All true. right. Uh, the next, okay, so we, next one is that just because we're registered with the SEC to provide that. investment advice, that's what the whole registration is, doesn't mean we can give investment advice on the air. So why do we even Got say it. it? Well, because you have to know who we're registered with. And if we do give investment advice on the air, that's probably a really bad thing. Why? Because it's not private on the radio, one uh, two, if I give one of you advice, it's probably bad advice to somebody else. It's kind of like going to the eye doctor and having them take the glasses off their face and say, here you go. These worked well for me. It, it seems logical, but probably not. So we're giving education, not investment advice on the air. We're telling you how the glasses work, not giving you a prescription on what your eyesight needs to be adjusted to. Now, you're welcome to come in for an examination. Yeah. And we will fit appropriately designed fiduciary standard eyeglasses to I, your portfolio. Yes. 
Yes, but it's not really a good thing to do on the air. So that right. was a that was a really not a disclosure. That was more like a explanation of a disclosure. But that's good enough. So uh, I know we're supposed to disclose in as few words as possible, uh, as quickly as possible, and in a monotone, so that there's absolutely no way that you can understand the stuff that the regulators believe it's vital for you to hear and understand. But, but if you say them really quickly, you vet the requirement. Yes, that's all you need. All right. Yep. Anyway, let's go on with our disclosure. So that, that, yes, next disclosure is yours because you like to do... The deem- information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or reliability of said information. Nice. Uh, we don't pay for this radio program. We don't? No, we don't pay them, oh. and we don't get paid for it either. Uh, we've been Crazy. doing this since 1997, and we do advertise on the studio's airspace to support the radio program. So we give ad- all of our advertisement is for the radio program, and then the well, studio do- also advertises for the radio program. Go ahead. We do mention ourselves on on the the that we exist yes. on the radio program and give our telephone number. So, so that is a form of advertisement. Yes, there is a form. Well, I mean, we're talking to you. You hear our voices. You're probably going to, well, I don't know. That's a bit of an assumption for me to say that they would like what they hear. That's a big stretch. This may be yeah. the worst advertisement possible. They hear us talking and they go, whoa, those two bald guys just can't shut up. I'm not going to go talk that to is- them. There's, there's probably a lot of truth in that. So we may have lost more clients than we've gained through doing this radio program. We'll never know. Try to prove That's the right. negative. Mm-hmm. But now we can move on to what's actually happened this week. Well, it was an interesting week in the equity markets, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. But it was even more interesting in the bond markets. As a matter of fact, all the markets were kind of interesting this week. Boredom was not a problem. That was anything else you want to know? Boredom is a problem. Not a problem. What? Not a problem. No, no. It was, a, uh, it was excitement levels were a little high. The S and P five hundred stock index was cruising along around forty one hundred, uh, very much where it closed last week, and not doing anything particularly interesting until but sometime Thursday, which I thought was interesting. Uh, in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday, it started sinking rapidly. By the and way, the, the, the news didn't the news didn't come out in the afternoon. It came out in the morning. Uh, the next morning. Right. Yeah, it came out on Friday morning. And so I think that there's some leakage at the Labor Department uh, yeah. or something. Yeah. But it started it started falling and then when the Labor Department announced uh, actually the Bureau of Labor Statistics announced that uh, for the trailing 12 months the United States Consumer Price Index was up 8.6%. The market said, "Let's go south." And when I say the market said, actually, it was probably a bunch of algorithms. And there's a really good reason it did that. Um, other than I didn't see, oddly enough, I didn't see any evidence in the selling of general fear or panic. What I saw as I watched the selling go on during the day was Al Gore. Algorithms. Rhythms. Yeah. He's Algor got rhythms. some rhythm sometimes. If you just plug the math in, he has a beat because to him. it, it was, it was kind of funny to watch it. Um, you have to be a real geek. It dropped down to 3,900 and just stayed there, bobbing up and down just the tiniest bit. In other words, it's like somebody had programmed a computer that says, okay, if we get higher inflation than we anticipated, 
drop from 4,100 to 3,900 and stay there. And it did. And I thought that was kind of interesting uh, to say the least. And if I read some articles on it by people whose math is a lot better than mine, and they explained that the total earnings for the S&P 500 are anticipated to be this, this, and this going into the future. And there's this peculiar thing that if you're an accountant, you understand fully. And if you're an economist, you understand somewhat. And if you're a normal human being, you think is pure gobbledygook and magic, and that is present value. Yeah. And oh. that, you, the, the normal person, non-accountant, non-economist may be saner for having oh, that sure. opinion, by the way. Yes. Or more sane, as the case may be. Um, the What happens is, as interest rates rise, and by the way, inflation is an interest rate. In, in, in we look at future interest rates being up or inflation being up, then the current value of a stream of money coming in drops. And it drops a very specific amount with the anticipated rise in interest rates. And that's how far the S&P 500 dropped. It basically said, okay, at 8.6%, the future earnings of the big companies in the S&P 500 are worth less today than they were when it was 8.2% or 8.4%. And we'll drop that far. And it did. So that's And so it was quite, actually pretty rational. Yeah, it was very rational, which is quite irrational because the market's right. generally not algorithmically rational in a given day. It's about as opposite as rational can be in a given day. So Did to you watch say Al Gore it, was rational? Um, I said as opposite as, uh, as Al Gore's rhythm, if he has one. Okay, uh, yeah. just checking. So, I mean, all, right. all, all I'm not to, uh, it, it is an inconvenient truth, but his rhythm really is not that great. Okay. I'm cool. I'm trying to stack the puns and man are they stacking so horribly. They're good. Well actually <laughs> the fact that he has such a such a good name for it. I mean that's that's the only reason I remember. I mean he's he was a vice president. You don't remember vice presidents very long. And he lost in his run for presidency and you don't remember losers in runs for presidency very long, but I remember Al Gore very well cuz he has such an interesting name. Well, he invented he the internet. Invented rhythm. Invented the algorithm. Yeah. I mean the guy yeah, he's cool. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, the analysts immediately and pundits came out and said, okay, this means that we will see 3.5% rises in the Fed funds rate in the next, through September. There's an anticipated, there, there'll be a break in there. So, you, um, so let's say that again. You'll, you'll see 3.5 rises. Right. Three, that's three different 0.5 rises, not 3.5 right. rises. Right. Three separate months. half point rises. Well, they'll do half points. There is discussion as we've been, as everybody follows every tiny word that a member of the Federal Reserve Board says now, a voting member. Uh, there'll probably be a break in September when they don't raise interest rates and watch to see what happens. Uh, somewhere in there we'll get three, but the consensus among the people who are Fed watchers, and there is an entire profession of being a Fed watcher now, apparently, is that around the end of the year, uh, short-term interest rates, the Fed funds rate, as they're known, which it currently is at 1%, uh, will be at 3.25%. Now, what else is holding the market down then? Well, at, if if short-term rates are 3.25%, there are, and, and, and longer-term rates continue to rise as well, which they have been doing as the Fed unwinds its balance sheet, which is a mixing of metaphors, shrinks its balance sheet. There are quite a number of companies in the S&P 500 
whose debt service is pretty high. They have a lot of debt. And as interest rates go up, they roll their debt over monthly. They've been having very short-term debt because very low, low interest rates. And they're called zombie companies because at the very, 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 very low interest rates we've had in the recent past, they could just keep borrowing money. And they are keeping borrowing money. But as interest rates go up, their interest rate their service, the, the, the interest they have to pay for the debt they have will probably exceed their profits, which is not a good thing for a company or a stock value. That means that you don't have profits if your profits all go away being spent on things to keep your business open. Right. I know, I know and, that's hard to understand, but that's really what that means. <laughs> well, if you haven't been in business, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I understand. Basically, if you borrowed so much money on your credit cards and your mortgage and everything else, that just the interest payments, not counting the principal, uh, are eating up all your take-home pay, you just got to keep borrowing more money on the credit cards. And at some point, you either get a better job and get more pay or you are in deep trouble. Yeah, people stop loaning you money at some point. Right. Well, maybe. And, and this, is part, <laughs> this is part of what's happening as well. You can see it in the mortgage market. The Fed's also, when you said unwinding, which is a beautiful mixed metaphor, unwinding its balance sheet. Because a balance sheet is supposed to be like a piece of paper and a winding is like a clock. Are you... Winding it's a, a, it's a, a, it's a piece a of record. Paper. Have you ever taken a piece of paper and just kind of twisted it and yeah, turned it into a keep tight twisting little tube? And twisting it. Um, yeah, and they're they're basically letting the tube unwind right now. What the Federal Reserve has been doing for several years since the pandemic really hit is that they have been buying mortgages as well as U.S. government bonds. Well, what is what does that have to do? Why are they buying mortgages? What does that have to do with anything? Well, if you went to buy a house or refinance your mortgage, and you said, I need to go through the process of getting a loan, the bank looked at the market and said, somebody's going to buy this as soon as I give it to you. I'm going to get this, you, your mortgage, and then it's going to get bought. And everybody knows that's what happens. Within a week of getting a mortgage, somebody else is servicing it. You get a letter saying, it's a very formal thing where they tell you, you're, you're still being charged by the same people, but it's going through a different thing and you're going well, to have to... That's just the servicing. Yeah, that's the servicing. So the servicing you're, has a fee that goes with it. But yeah, you, on top of that, the loan itself gets purchased by someone. Right. And it goes in... This is the point. Because it's summer, it goes into a pool. Yes, because it's hot out. So you got to go right. into the and pool. So, so they, they put the mortgages in a pool. This is a step then, up. They used to be called tranches, which just sounds dirty if you're swimming in them. I'm right. just, I went swimming in the tranches. It was muddy, but it, that's why I went swimming. Well, now it's in the <laughs> pools. Well, actually, the pools are made into tranches. That's where they dump the pools. Right. So all the pools go in the tranches. And they sell them as bonds. Yeah. And, and the then, Federal Reserve bought a bunch of the bonds, which, as I was talking about, the, the balance sheet that they twist up and yeah that winding thing well, it, yep as they squeeze that balance sheet they're not buying bonds I'm gonna take, anymore i'm going to take no as they, as they keep tightening you're going to you're going to keep that. mixing the metaphors no, no. let's get them mixed no, together no i'm going to i'm going to go on with this okay. metaphor okay. they're going to unwind it as they continue to wind up there as they continue to wind their balance sheet it squeezed money out into the economy yeah and as they unwind their balance sheet, it sucks money out of the economy and causes longer term interest rates to go up. Yeah. So when you go to get a mortgage now, you may I have noticed you may have noticed that the interest rates are a bit higher. Five point two five. That is two and a quarter higher than it was just six months ago. 
Right. It's huge. It's nearly double what it was six months ago. Why? Well, what, what is that about? Well, when the bank goes to make you a loan, they're not as sure that somebody's going to buy the loan from them as soon as they're done. You know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are standing out there buying loans. Well, the Federal Reserve was standing out there with them. So three big pigs at the trough ready to eat up any loan that came to them. Well, one of the, pig is re- one of the pigs is regurgitating. Oh, boy, you, you're, you, you didn't <laughs> have to trying, do that. I'm trying to mix as many no. of these. No, just, this is Just this kind is of disgusting. making us ugly. So, so the Federal Reserve is not only not buying, they're selling the mortgages that they already bought, which right. means there's less money to go around. They're putting money on the market rather than buying stuff on the market. They're putting the mortgages on the market. So go ahead. Now, now that we beat that particular horse to death, after wait a minute. That's the, the last. Thing. That's the last analogy to add to the pigs <laughs> at the trough on the unwinding of a balance sheet and right. beating a horse to death yes. in a hot summer sun. Yes, in a let's pool go with, on the with the market. Yes, let's go ahead. The CRSP mid cap value. Well, first off, the Standard Poor's 500 stock index dropped 5.05 percent for the week. It is now 18.61 percent from its record high back in the beginning of January, which leaves it still in correction territory. It's not a bear yet. Uh, it's 7.98% lower than it was a year ago. Now, let's go to the other side of the stock market. Well, not the complete other side, but somewhat to the other side. We follow the CRSP mid-cap value index. It dropped 5.16%, which is more than the S&P 500 did, to 2355.8. Now, it's down 9.3% from its record high, which means it's not even in a correction yet. It is down 5.64% from this time last year. So, but let's go back to the S&P 500, and this is in our newsletter. This is an important perspective, I think, to keep in mind at this point. I think people are doing that. The three-year average annual return, that takes us to before the pandemic. So before this massive crash and unexpected distortion, before the war in Ukraine, before all these other things. Before the pandemic. So these bad things happened since then. What has been the average? Our average annual rate of return in the S&P 500 for the last three years, is 12.95% a year. That's like 13%. Well, it's close. And uh, that's not bad. It's exceptionally good, as a matter of fact. And if you measure from the last time the markets got scary, which was in 2020 in March when the pandemic was hitting and the, the markets were in free fall and the headlines were screaming, bailout, now the world's coming to an end. The S&P 500 is up 74%, even in a correction. In other words, from our perspective as long-term investors, is the market up or down? It's up. If you're looking day-to-day or a few months at a time, it's down. And that is the nature of the history of the United States equity markets. Long-term, they're a great place to be. Short-term, they are sometimes extremely frightening. So that's the reality there. Now, RBC Capital Markets. Now, it's now called RBC Capital Markets. It used to be Royal Bank of Canada, but now it split off from the Royal Bank. Now it's just RBC. It's like like so many of the things where the letters used to mean something, and now they're just letters. Um, RBC Capital Markets, which is a very well-respected uh, investment commentary advisor uh, bank-type firm, they issued a report this week that the S&P 500 will end the year at about 4700 which is a little lower than they had said before. Now, why is that important? Because that's 20% higher than it is than it closed on Friday. And as the various investment banks, Goldman Sachs, RBC, 
JP Morgan, as they have issued their estimates of where the market, the S&P 500 will be at the end of the year, it's in that ballpark. These guys are not always right, but they ain't stupid. And they have a really good feel for what's going on in the economy. And they have some really high paid people and a bunch of them that have a lot of studies and a lot of degrees and a lot of numbers. And so let's hope they're right. There's no guarantee. The future is always uncertain. Man, is the future uncertain. And 4,700 sounds really, really good, but that's not a record high. It still won't be back to where it was in January. It'll just be 20% higher if, if they're right. It'll just be 20% higher than it is than it is Friday. So I find that really pleasant. Normally at this point in a falling market, and I've gone back and looked at my history here, if it's a bear, you have the big investment bank saying, doom and gloom. The end of the year will be much lower than it is today. Go hide in a hole someplace. So I am somewhat comforted by this. Uh, again, I, there's no guarantee that they're right. Okay, moving on. The U.S. Treasury note, 10-year U.S. Treasury note. When the inflation news came out, it did exactly what you would expect an interest rate bearing security index to do. It rose to 3.162%. The Treasury yield curve, which is uh, normally pretty prophetic about what's going on in the economy, is very close to flat at this point. Uh, the 30-year bond is yielding 3.169. Again, the 10 years is 3.162. The 30-year bond is 3.169. Whoa, that's close to flat. The two-year note is at 3.065. So everything's above 3%. There's still a slightly positive slope to the curve. And by the way, if the curve goes negative for a short period of time, historically, it means nothing. It needs to go negative for about two months, and then we will start to worry. Um, the S&P 500 bond index, you know, is uh, the bonds. And there's lots of indices about, about bonds, some of which are more reliable, some of which are less reliable. But since we talk about the S&P 500 stock index, let's talk about the S&P 500 bond index at the same time. The S&P 500 bond index is, the, is a compilation of the bonds issued by the S&P 500 companies. So we've got apples to apples are sort of here. Um, it has fallen 11.24% over the last year. Remember, I just said that the S&P 500 has fallen 7.98. The bond market has fallen significantly more than the stock market. The three-year return, remember, of the S&P 500 is 12.95%. The three-year return holding the bonds of the S&P 500 companies, total return with interest reinvested is 0.57% a year. And we've had a lot more inflation than 0.57% over the last three years. So I guess one of the things it's important to understand at this point, if you have stocks and bonds, they're both down and the bonds are probably down more than the stocks, which is contrary to much of the ancient wisdom that has been handed down and is false, but sounds really good that if you have a mixture of stocks and bonds, you'll have a smooth ride in the market and you'll be able to retire comfortably. Doesn't work that way. Um, as a matter of fact, those bonds that are down 11.24%, I got to looking at samples of them and their average uh, price out there. This is a scary thing. They're still trading above 100. What does that mean? That means that if you hold them to maturity, you will lose money on the principal. The average bond issued by an S&P 500 company. Sounds all gloomy and doomy. It's not. 
This is just the nature of investing in markets. You're going to have periods of time when this kind of thing happens. Um, last market that we follow and report on is the uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. It um, didn't do much of anything for the week. It's at $120.50 uh, $120 a barrel, which means, for whatever it's worth, that you're not going to see gas prices come down anytime soon. And we can talk at great length about why you're not going to see gas prices come down anytime soon. But the primary reason, the very primary reason is the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine and Europe is cutting off the purchases of oil from Russia. Russia is largely blockaded. Gas prices have gone up even more. Natural gas prices have gone up even more, and particularly in Europe. And it boils down to somewhere between 10 and 12% of the petroleum that the world uses has vanished from the market, and we have increased our demand, so the price went up. We, we have a minor um, piece of good news in, uh, in the form of bad news. Mm -hmm. One of the major liquid natural gas export facilities had a major issue and hasn't been able to pump liquid natural gas into ships, uh, and that's a problem. Um, it, it's a problem for Europe. But it's caused natural gas prices in the United States to drop for a temporary period of time because if you can't send it over there where they're paying more for it, we've got more here. The price came down. Yeah, but that's only going to be a it's very temporary. Until we get it started. Yet. It's very temporary. In fact, they're putting up more and more liquid natural gas facilities. And as I mentioned last week, rig counts are up year over year for like who's pumping. Um, but this week, like last week, we had a very, it was flat. And the week before that, it was flat. The week before that, we had one extra. This week, we've got 30 more rigs coming online in North America. And these are big rigs. These aren't the little pumps that you see. These are the really, really big pumping facilities. Sometimes whole fields are called one rig in this report. Um, but... That's saying that the prices are finally high enough that people are getting serious about pumping faster. Uh, it's also, they've finally gotten high enough that, that they can hire the people at the wages that they're demanding to get pumping faster because wages are high too. So uh, that's good news for next year. And that if we continue to increase the pumping capability to bring on more rigs at this 30 a week type rate, for a while, um, we're already uh, like in North America. Last year, there were there were a total of five hundred fifty four rigs online working. Now there's eight hundred seventy four. So that's that's a lot more. Uh, that's three hundred fifty more rigs working now than were then a year ago. That's nearly double. But if we're bringing them on at thirty a week where we've been kind of bringing them on sporadically here and there, it means that we're upping the capability to pump more, which long-term will bring prices down. I think if I do my math right here, the prices should be down either just before or just after the next presidential election. So it may have some bearing. <laughs> well, I'm going to make a forecast. A year from now, inflation will be substantially lower. I totally agree with that forecast. I, I let me put a percentage on that. I'm going to say a 90% chance, or a 10% chance that something weird will happen that 
we can't possibly guess or forecast. Right. But the the high probability is that a year from now, interest rates will be high, inflation will be low, and this is sort of interesting, I think. Around 2024, it is my expectation the Fed will start lowering interest rates. They'll pump them up, inflation will go down, and then they will start backing down. Now, will they get back down as low as they are today? No. No. Not unless we have a, a completely new new form of the pandemic hit. Uh, generally speaking, at this point, short-term interest rates that the Fed controls directly probably need to be around 3%. I think they'll probably take them a little above 3% by the end of this year, the beginning of next year, and then they will back back down. 3% is neutral. That means that interest rates in the future will be higher in all likelihood than they are today, but not as high as they're going to get. Um, there was some discussion. People are some people are. I, I read some discussion. People jumping in and buying bonds said the Fed will have to lower rates in twenty twenty four. Yeah, but they won't lower them back down to where they are today. So the rates will still be higher then, which means bonds you buy today will be less worth less in twenty twenty four after they lower the rates than you buy them today. There is a if the bond market were the stock market, it would be absolutely burning headlines that the bond market is crashing. There is there is panic selling went on Friday. Uh, I told you that there wasn't panic selling went on in the stock market, but there is evidence of panic selling in the bond market, and I think that's probably going to continue. What does that mean for you? Well, if you're going to hold a bond to me, you hold an individual bond, and you're going to hold it to maturity. It means that you will get your money back minus inflation, which means you're losing about of the last year you lost about eight point one percent in that bond because of inflation. Um, if you got a bond fund and it's long term, anything other than an ultra short term bond fund, you're probably going to feel some pretty severe pain when you look at the values as time goes by. Yeah. Do you have some wrap up for this week? What Obviously, inflation. There's two, there's a couple of things. The market's down, it's still in correction. The bond market is down, the stock market is down, but the bond market is down a lot worse. If it over the last 12 months has fallen worse. There's really not a good place to hide in securities right now, and it's a bad idea to try to time the market. There is every indication that this inflation is not entrenched and will not last a long time. That doesn't mean we can tell you the future, but it's looking like it will recover. Interest rates are probably going to go up. The price of gasoline is going to be high. We have forecast last year that we'd be going through a bumpy period right now. We are going through a bumpy period. Does that mean that we're headed into a major disaster? Well, there's no indication we're headed into a major disaster at present. Unless something different happens that we don't know about. The fact is Russia invaded Ukraine. That is really screwing with things. COVID is messing with China, who is using lockdowns to stop it. And those two things are the big issues that are causing the problem. Russia's not going to stop invading Ukraine anytime soon, I don't think. But as Jake pointed out, we're drilling for more oil. We're going to, we will get this situation resolved. May take a year or two, but it's not the end of the world. Um, all in all, the United States economy is still humming very nicely. Matter of fact, it may be running a little too hot. That's the problem. But it's a problem the rest of the world would love to have. One last thing I want to mention inflation is not a U.S. issue. The European Union just announced at the same time we announced 8.6, they have 8.1 year over year, and they have warned next month it will be higher. It should go up to about the same as ours. So it isn't something we can blame locally. It is something that's going on across the globe. Wait a minute. We, we got to live with it. We can blame locally if we want to. 
You want to do something about inflation? Stop buying so much stuff. Well, I mean, I want to blame someone. That's the point. Can I blame the president, please? Or how about I can blame um, the Republicans? No, I'll blame. It doesn't matter who you blame, by the, by the way, folks. If it makes you feel better to blame, we can't tell you not to. But Blame the Russians. But the, the tool, Russians. The tools for this. Well, I mean, we're going to have inflation. This is something. Let me, let me throw a, a, a throwback in here. In 2020, when the stimuluses were coming out hard and fast, we talked about this. We said we need to do this. We absolutely need to get this stimulus out there. But it will bring inflation in two years. Anytime you dump a bunch of money into the economy, when money wasn't earned, you're going to get inflation. It's probably going to take two years before it hits. And you can go back and listen to those programs, by the way. I recommend it. It's on our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com. We've got podcasts out there too. So we've dumped a bunch of money out there to prevent a depression. And it worked. We didn't have a depression. Well, would we have had a depression if we hadn't? Hard to prove it negative. But our economy is roaring right now when we've got unemployment at record lows. So I would say it's done well for us, but we're also having high inflation. When you have a war added to the mix, energy prices are the highest inflated all the time anyway. You add a war into the mix and you throw food and price, food prices into the stratosphere and oil prices into the stratosphere, it doesn't matter who's president today. All of that stuff started rolling two and a half years ago, two years ago, and then when the invasion of Ukraine took place. So you could blame it on Macron in France or um, Putin in, for the war. But the reality is that the reason why prices are up is because we're willing to pay more for them. That's what inflation is, your willingness to pay more for the same thing. Uh, if, you're not, if all of us say, hey, we're not going to pay more for that, then we won't get it. And the prices will have to come down. Now, if it's food, that's hard. Food prices... Supply is an issue. Uh, so just keep all of that in mind. Blame is kind of irrelevant. Go take some responsibility. It, it may not be your, your fault, but it's your responsibility to move with it. And that's, my, that's all I have to say about that. And we're about out of time. Um, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually manage portfolios and give investment advice to people of high net worth the voicemail on the weekends, real live people during the week, by the way, uh, on the weekends, the local number voicemail is 254-947-1111. Or you can reach that same voicemail toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's lots of radio programs going back. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can use the contact form. You can go to get podcasts from us. You can email us directly at jeff or jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.